You're listening to the Horizons Church Podcast. Good morning, Ethan Bolton. Good morning, Josiah Pitts. I wonder what your ancestors did for a living. Bolton. Bolt Man, on. Maybe they bolted rivets on steamships. <laughs> You probably don't bolt rivets. Probably not how it works. I don't know. Because you're mostly Anglo-Saxon, right? Yeah, I think predominantly. So I feel like Bolton had to mean something. Surely. Like pits. My relatives, my ancestors, they dig pits. That's very classic. um, (laughs) Yeah, thank you for that. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I was probably distantly related to Lord William Pitt, buddy. You show some respect. Yeah, I don't have anyone so, that, I am, that I'm aware of. <laughs> That's curious. See, look, here's our little tangent now, but I've become recently a little bit fascinated. Not hyper-fascinated. I'm not, like, going down 27 rabbit trails, but, like, i become interested in the concept of last names having to do with either your occupation or where you lived, because that was another common trick of names, right? <laughs> like, I guess, like, well, you know, like, there was a period where you didn't really have last names. It was, right, like, exactly. you know, uh, Bernard of Clairvaux. Yeah, yeah, like, you're yeah. like, it wasn't... Bernard Clairvaux. It was you were Bernard mm-hmm. of Clairvaux, as you opposed were, to Bernard of Paris yeah, or something. Like, there weren't quite as many Bernards around. Yeah. <laughs> so it was easier to say you're the only one in this town, but so, there, therefore you are Bernard of Clairvaux. Exactly. But, you know, like a lot of those Anglo Saxon names I think had to do with like Smith. Like, oh yeah. That's Shh, pretty obvious. Yeah, blacksmith, you know, forging swords and whatnot. How that's cool. Really, that is really cool. You know, like I think we think of Smith as such a vanilla name. But it's no man, way, man. That is not, a poetical, I think awesome it's, name. It's actually one of the coolest historical last names. Yeah. It yeah, sure is. For real. So anyway, I got to stop on that tangent, but I kinda wondered what my, Bolton well, was. My totally unacademic Google search. Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, this is not cool at all. <laughs> Okay, so I got two little blurbs for you. We'll just burn through real quick. Oh, yeah. It's a habitational name from any of the numerous places in northern England, especially the one in Lancashire. Uh, oh. From the old English uh, word for dwelling or house. Um, oh. And the second half of that, the old English word for enclosure or settlement. So that doesn't really do anything cool. <laughs> <laughs> and then lower down in this wonderful article from Ancestry.com, not a sponsor, never. Um, let's see, you write something cool about my name. In 1940, this is what your Bolton ancestor did for a living. Laborer or housekeeper were the top reported jobs for men and, and, men and women uh, in the U.S. So, okay, so that's in the U.S., of course, 1940s. So, yeah. uh, cool. <laughs> Whatever. Some less common involved truck driving. Which is very much not me either. So <laughs> I was adopted. <laughs> Ethan is feeling disenfranchised from his blood. <laughs> uh, like, yeah. oh, well, my ancestral lands. Yeah, this didn't turn out to be invigorating <laughs> at all. So I think I'm going to search a different part of my lineage next time. Because, <laughs> oh, like, what was your mother's maiden name? Carlson. Carlson. Yeah. Okay. yeah so, so that makes a lot more sense, obviously, because yeah. in I think in a lot of Scandinavian cultures, you have the son. Yeah. Odin's son. Yeah. So, and also, I think that still exists for, I mean, it's we still have the Carlson and the such and such son names yeah. in our culture. Right. They still do that in Iceland okay. as well. But because of the way they spell words and the way their language has been preserved, it's not always son. There's also a daughter variant, but it's like a D- Oath and umlaut, T-T-O-R. Uh, so it's like... Dual term. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. So if it's like... Uh, I don't have a perfect example except in the Marvel series, Loki, recently. There's like an Easter egg for a character's last name to be um, like Laufidotr. Uh, so it's cool that they still preserve that. I think it's, yeah. it's a really neat and unfamiliar way to, to ascribe that lineage. Yeah. 
Well, how about that? Yeah. Names. Wow. Who knew we were going to talk about that? Not me. No, I didn't either. That's cool. Because you know what that has to do with what we're talking about today? Zero things. Yeah, absolutely <laughs> nothing. <laughs> 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 oh. oh, but anyway, you know, when the when the spirit leads, you know, I just, <laughs> just go with that. <laughs> so, um, so actually, I mean, on a rather uh, serious, rather serious note, yeah. um, I think one of the biggest hangups for many Christians has to do with repentance and repeated sins. Sure. One of the things that <laughs> I get a lot of folks sitting out on the couch in my office talking to me about is I keep committing this sin and I keep confessing it, keep repenting of it, but then I keep committing it. And yeah. what does that say about me? You know, they they wonder if they keep confessing the same sin over and over again. Have they truly repented? For sure. You know, which, of course, then can lead to a link question, like, is my faith genuine? Like, if I actually been exactly. saved, it becomes existential mm-hmm. and pretty dark very quickly. So, huge issue, and certainly not one. I'm, I'm not even going to pretend to solve this the podcast episode. I know sometimes we joke, <laughs> I'm not even going to do that here. I'm not going to make a joke. Oh, uh, you know, we'll make a pass. Yeah, that's we'll it. We'll get you started. Yes, we will. We will offer some encouraging food for thought. Exactly. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> um, because I do think it would be helpful to talk through... The general contours of repentance and forgiveness and holy living, especially in regards to a repeated sin. Mm. This is real, actual life struggle today. Sometimes we got to get a little of that in. We do. We, for we real. Gotta, like, I, I think we have too much fun on this podcast yeah, sometimes. You know, we got to cut those laughs. Back. Sober us. Get those laughs out of here. Yeah, that's just, this is going to be start playing some like dark pipe organ music behind us. And, <laughs> Victorian. You know, yeah. Yeah, I like it. Dun, dun, dun. I guess we're like we're descending into the dungeon of the Phantom of the Opera or something. Yeah. Don't actually I like that. It. But you know. So I think we probably ought to define some terms here first. Okay. So we're not all thinking we're talking about the same thing or Good we're actually start. thinking about different things. So when I say, for instance, repeated sin, what I have in mind primarily are the kinds of habitual, besetting, quote unquote, subtle sins mm-hmm. that Christians tend to struggle with over long periods of time, and all the while knowing that they're sins. Yeah. So dealing with a sort of crippling sense of guilt about these things. That's primarily what I have in mind. So here's a random list of examples that I came up with just to kind of make sure we're all again on the same page here. So one, an immediate tendency toward self-pity or moroseness or grumbling when things don't go your way. Raising my hand, I would actually confess that is truly like a besetting sin for me that I regularly have to confess. So that's actually another form of faithlessness and pride. Oh, that's actually quite sly. Yeah. I, I did not see that reveal coming yeah. at all. Yeah, because it's, you know, me saying, God, I don't trust that, you know, you're huh. doing best for me. And I want, you know, moroseness and self-pity. I want people to look at me and see. look, 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 look right here. So it's just subtle faithlessness and pride. So you have that. Perhaps it's the tendency to seek out sexually explicit material, pornography, or otherwise, mm-hmm. which is just sexual immorality mm-hmm. under a different guise, right? Perhaps a godlike reliance upon and overuse of an otherwise good gift. So like alcohol, shopping, or entertainment consumption. That's just mm-hmm. a subtle form of idolatry. Yeah, and I, it's funny. I was recently hearing some discussion about this sort of thing because it even shows up in in like quote-unquote good virtue or, or worldview that can become an idol when when it begins to shape your faith rather than mm-hmm. the other way around. And I think I think we see a lot of that in our relative Western comfort yeah. in Christianity. Mm-hmm. We kind of glom onto these other things and turns out that we elevate them yeah. more than the faith we ascribe right. to. Yeah, yeah. They become, you know, the little functional gods in our hearts. Yeah. What was it Calvin said? Our hearts are little idol factories and they just keep <laughs> spinning them out. So I think that's one that people deal with, that kind of reliance, that overuse. Maybe it's repeatedly passing along information to others that was shared with you 
in confidence, mm. that's just gossip, or maybe it's regularly embellishing stories or accomplishments to make yourself look better than you actually are, i.e. lying. Mm. So, I mean, all those, they, they're subtle in that, like, it's easy to keep doing them yeah. without almost even realizing it and having to compare constantly confess them it gets wearisome those are good examples by the way that's good yeah that's a you know when, <laughs> when you deal with them all the time you know <laughs> when you have first when, like, experience you have first day experience and people are coming <laughs> and talking to you about variations on those things yeah that is just a sampling of the kinds of sins that faithful confessing ordinary christians struggle with day in and day out mm-hmm. like i think i don't know anyone who is exempt from some sort of besetting sin like that. And so the issue becomes, I've confessed this sin so many times. At what point is my repentance fake? Exactly. If I have to keep confessing the sin over and over again, like, I don't mean it, apparently. Right? Like, Right? So, leads us to this point, because when I say repentance, I have in mind what the scripture has to say about repentance, which is namely that it is a change of heart and a turning from one thing to another. That's how scripture primarily speaks of repentance. In fact, I was reading in the, um, I'm taking a class on the Westminster Confession of Faith, which is this long confession of faith that was drafted in the 1600s. Long story short, they talk about repentance, and they talk about repentance in terms almost exactly like that. It's this grace that is a change of heart, realizing, I think what the words they were, is like the odiousness of your sins (laughs) and confessing them and turning to Christ in faith for life. So that's what I have in mind. To use the language of the book of Acts, just to make sure we're explicitly biblical, Acts 20.21, it would be a repentance toward God and faith in Jesus Christ. I I think that's a really good distinction to draw out, though, because I think if we just deal in passed down terms Mm -hmm. without digging into it, we get into like, am I just asking for a cover up? Am I asking for yeah. forgiveness just for a free pass? Right. Am I truly repenting? What does that mean about being dead to sin? Is that even real anymore? It's yeah. like, it creates a lot of confusion if it you does. don't really know why you're coming to God. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So I think on that note, what most Christians have in mind when it comes to repentance and dealing with repeated sins is something like this. I committed this sin again, right? The sin that I've, I've struggled with. I confess and ask God to forgive me. Now I'm under obligation to never do it again. <laughs> right. <laughs> under pain of losing my salvation slash demonstrating my repentance wasn't genuine and therefore not actually being forgiven. Right. <laughs> like there's this logic, right? Like uh-huh. this, you know, like if I'm genuine, it means I'm never going to do it again. Mm-hmm. The bottom line seems to be if I'm genuinely repentant, I'll never commit this particular sin yeah. again. Sudden perfection. Yeah, right, right. And I think that's part of the issue here. So when we're talking about these terms, there seems to be underneath all of this, this expectation of perfection, mm-hmm. of utter sinlessness, okay? So I want to be careful on how I frame this because I don't think that you find that kind of teaching anywhere in the Bible in regards to repentance. Mm. So just to make sure I wasn't making this up because that's stupid, (laughs) I uh, ran a search in my Bible software for all the uses of the words repent, repentance, and repented. Okay, Okay, that's good. So I, I had a category, had a long list of every reference where that showed up. And What I was seeing over and over again, overwhelmingly, had to do with that heart change. That was what the repentance was primarily concerned with. It was a change from saying, this sinful behavior is acceptable and I will continue doing it, or not recognizing it as sinful, Mm -hmm. to, this is wrong, I agree with God it is wrong, and I'm going to turn to him in faith. Oh, yeah, yeah, Like, it has to do with the heart shift. That's what repentance primarily has to do with, is the heart shift, the turning from living approvingly one way to God and faith yeah. and, you know, attempting to live, of course, like by his strength and by faith in him obediently. Right. But it has mostly to do with that heart shift. 
I did find, I think, one exception. So I, I do want to list that in case anyone does a search and like, well, what about this reference? Um, <laughs> exactly. I think the one exception I could find was Luke 17 through 4, where Jesus says, pay attention to yourselves. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in the day and turns to you seven times saying, I repent, you must forgive him. Mm. So that seems to be a reference to repenting over individual sins. Yeah. Like someone says, hey, you sinned you need to repent of that particular sin. But even that reference, I think, demonstrates that repeated sins, to get to our point, don't necessarily put someone beyond the pale. If he says, if he says seven times a day, I repent, you have to forgive him. Which again, if Jesus is saying that's true of humans, how much more true is that of God? Mm -hmm. And then secondly, it seems to be in the context of someone who isn't aware, perhaps, that they sinned. Like they may not even know, they might be kind of oblivious to their sin. And Jesus is saying, you need to pay attention. And if you think that's the case, go and talk to your brother about it. Okay. And particularly in a situation where they may have done something that was a personal sin against you right, yeah. that they aren't aware of. That's what it sounds like. And they aren't even aware of it, so it's not even something in their heart that they're like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm doing that. <laughs> right. So I think it still kind of falls broadly under the umbrella of when we're talking about repentance, we're dealing with a, a heart shift primarily. Mm-hmm. So what I'm trying to say is that repentance, biblically speaking, does seem to do mostly with that shift in the heart that says, I agree with God about my sin, that it's wrong, and I turn to him in faith. In other words, it does not seem primarily concerned. I, I want to qualify that. It does not seem primarily concerned with, for lack of a better term, doing penance yeah. for each and every individual sin and finding the appropriate amount of guilt yeah, or whatever exactly. to oh, respond to that. Does man. that make sense? Yeah, okay. I was actually thinking about how we treat forgiveness recently mm-hmm. in, a, yep. in a similar context. Like It seems like we get this idea that regular forgiveness doesn't apply in our in our factories of repeated sins. Yeah, it's like right. it doesn't count, or like at least that's the attitude. That's what our attitude suggests. Sure, and I think that's because, and this is just my grand musing. <laughs> I think it's because of the perspective on our own sins. I think that begins to kind of warp, mm-hmm. uh, maybe from our proximity, maybe purely from the repetition that we yeah. recognize how wrong it is. Mm-hmm. And I guess that we must create this sort of implicit tier list and all of the run of the mill sins are way down here at the bottom <laughs> yeah, easily yeah. forgiven oh <laughs> yeah. I, I did this thoughtlessly i spoke in anger i sinned in thought i said something i regretted yeah why well, just shoot up a little prayer and be like yes i recognize this and i regret it and we're done yeah um <laughs> you know, we don't think of it much right. after that i'm i'm sure that i did that at some point last week and the week before, but I don't remember specifically what I said. Right, yeah. I felt confident and I felt clear-headed about that confession. Yes. And and the guilt didn't follow me home. Right. And I didn't define my character or quality as a Christian by that moment. Right, yes, exactly. However, (laughs) when it's the thing, trademark, (laughs) or even the many things that we return to, it's somehow like that forgiveness doesn't work the same. It's like a different brand or something. (laughs) At least that's how I find that I treat it. Sure, yeah. Like you're stained a little bit extra. Mm -hmm. And, And I can pray and confess and seek forgiveness with a severity and a sincerity 10 times what I would normally pray. I mean, like to the core of my bones, to the yes. very marrow, <laughs> I mean it. I feel sick inside. And yet I voluntarily hold on to that guilt. I choose to. Yeah. I'm like, I've selected it. Almost like refusing to acknowledge the reality of forgiveness. Right. Like, no, no, I just did this thing. I, that means I'm still bad. Yeah. I didn't just suddenly change. I didn't suddenly just transform into a different person. What? is it with us? I didn't stop believing in forgiveness. And yet I skirt around accepting it on some level now that I feel like I'm extra worse. Yeah. Yeah. That is such a good 
observation of, I think, all the the emotional logic that goes on in our our hearts when this happens. And, you know, obviously you don't want to say this in a way that belittles, like, obviously sins in any way. But to that effect, there is a big difference between acknowledging that what Paul would call in 2 Corinthians godly grief Mm. that leads to repentance versus that, like, oh, yeah, I I committed this sin and... um, I guess I'll ask for forgiveness, and, you know, <laughs> right? go on with my life. You know, it's not that big a deal. Mm. Like there is a difference between that. And I think the problem is, is like, we'll get into this in a minute. We'll, we'll, we'll obviously unpack that a little more, but I think at heart there is, you know, you have the Holy Spirit living inside you. You'll be grieved about those sins, mm-hmm. but then there is, for lack of a better way, of, I think describing it, like, we just don't believe God. Yeah. I think is it. We don't, I'll quote from Martin Luther here. We don't believe his friendly heart. Oh. Um, that, when God says you are forgiven, like my my son died and shed his blood so that you could be purified if you confess your sins. Like, nah, not this one. You know what I mean? <laughs> exactly. No. What is exactly. And like, well, like, why would you like I think we think somehow that makes us holier. Like, no, I gotta do like I gotta work up the right amount of guilt. Yeah. I gotta hold on to this because well, that's gonna I make me feel better. So it's like yeah. it's an extra severe thing now. Right. And so like I'll do this this sort of penance and like that'll make me holier. Yeah. And all the way it's like, no, 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 like Again, Luther would point out, you're kind of dishonoring God when you do that. Because what you're saying is the blood of his son, the blood, uh, let me quote Hopkins here, the great poet Hopkins, Christ's blood, the blood that but one drop of has the worth to win all the world forgiveness of its its world of sin. Like, you're going to say that? Yeah. Can't forgive you? Like, no. So like when the devil comes and throws your sins in your face, because I think Mm -hmm. the other thing is like, we have our own guilt. And then, I mean, Satan is the accuser. He does this. Just in case you need help. Yeah. Like he'll do that. And again, quoting from Luther, I've been reading him a lot recently. Can you tell? Um, (laughs) But he said, so when the devil comes and throws your sins in your face and says you deserve death and hell tell him this i admit i deserve death and hell Mm -hmm. what of it (laughs) i know one who has made satisfaction on my behalf his name is jesus christ the son of god and where he is there i shall be also yeah and i think at root all this is our failure to believe that and so all that said we do, I think, still have to live with the fact, you know, that we do have these subtle besetting sins. And like, so what do we do? Like, is there anything to do? Like, because I think the alternative here is, again, kind of this weird defeatism about it. So I think it would be helpful. We've kind of hit on both of these already. But it would be helpful to think about these kinds of sins in two two ways. The first is don't be defeatist about them. Okay. So you, you, you mentioned this from Paul. He says, consider yourselves dead to sin. Right. Well, do you consider yourself dead to sin? He said, consider. Like, it's not like something where it's, um, you know, it just kind of happens. Like, you got you to think in these terms. Okay. So, in other words, flip it around. Do you have a fatalistic attitude toward your sin, I guess, would be the flip on that. Do you think, oh, I'm just doomed to keep repeating the sin over and over again? Yeah. And you just kind of surrender to it. Because Paul does say in Romans 6, 11 to 13, So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let not sin, therefore, reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. Mm -hmm. So flip that around a little bit. If you're confessing the sin that you tend to repeat, but the whole time you're actually thinking... Well, this sin actually, I mean, it rains in me. Like, I'm probably going to commit the same sin tomorrow. Like, I'm going to probably look at the nudity tomorrow. I'm going to get a little carried away drinking this weekend. I'm probably going to over shop in three days. You know, like, Just I'm forgive probably going to have Yeah. If that's your approach to it, like, yeah, that's, that's defeatist. You're not considering yourself dead to it, right? So you are kind of, I think, setting yourself up for failure in that regard. Yeah. If you're just kind of surrendering to it, you're doing what Paul said, you're letting it rain. Mm-hmm. As opposed to, and I think it's interesting here, he flips the positive here is present yourselves to God. Like present your members 
to God as instruments for righteousness. So like the positive is like, I think some people get so focused on their sin. That's all they think about. And yeah. what he's saying is, no, no, no. Like think not positively as an all oh, positive mental attitude. I mean, like <laughs> present yourself intentionally to God asking like, what can I do to advance the cause of righteousness today? Because oh. you'll do more, I think, to defeat your sin doing that yeah, then, then you will just like dwelling just, on your sin. Exactly. Like, dwelling yeah. on your sin only like makes you thinking about it more and you just end up getting sucked it into it more. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So a defeatist mindset may appear to simply be telling the truth, you know, like, oh yeah, this sin is so problematic. Right. Probably going to do it again. You but, think you're acknowledging like the destruction. Yeah. But <sighs> ultimately it misses the mark because in reality, it's probably indicating a lack of faith in the power of God to help you wage successful war against your mm. sin. Like you're, you're not thinking, oh, I can actually grow in holiness. Or like Paul would say, those who walk in step with the spirit will not gratify the desires of the flesh. But that leads to the second observation, which I think is very important because you can quickly go the opposite direction once you start thinking in those terms. <laughs> and that is you can't be a perfectionist. Yeah. It's not going to happen. You yeah. will unnecessarily burden yourself. <laughs> that was Luther's whole dilemma, right? Was he felt oh, like he had to right. confess I mean, every single sin right, down to the most minute details of his heart. And, and then if his motives for repenting weren't right. He was like, I need to repent for that. Yeah, I mean, all these things. So the other side of this is, do you expect yourself to be sinless this side of eternity? Um, do you expect to gain everlasting victory in the flesh? Because if you do, both Paul and John won't let you think in those kinds of terms, right? <laughs> because Paul says in Romans 7, 22 to 23, for I delight in the law of God in my inner being. So like, I mean, he loves the, the, the law of the Lord. He loves God's word. He loves the truth. He wants to live according to it. But I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. So you have that going on. Yeah. And then John says in 1 John 1, 8 through 9, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. <laughs> like, you're not fooling anybody, you know? If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So the key is honesty and confession, not perfectionism, right? There was only one perfect man and you're not him. Exactly. Okay? Perfectionism, I think, seems to indicate a deeply rooted pride, which says I'm capable of doing what no man but Christ has ever done, <laughs> which is attained to sinlessness. Right. Now, again, all this is to say the Christian, I think, in prayer can expect a growth in holiness, but... Both of those tendencies, I think, toward perfectionism and toward defeatism mm -hmm. are really going to wreck you, yeah. especially when it comes to this category of repeated sins, for lack of a better term. Because these are the things that you're dealing with day in and day out. And I mean, the, the reality is, is let's say you root out one completely. You're going to find another one yeah. that you didn't even realize oh. you've been dealing with your whole life. Exactly. Exactly. So, it's not like you own. It's, it's not just one sin in creation that is. Right. It's like, come on, man. Yeah. You have more on the menu. Yeah. <laughs> Is that more to deal with here? Yeah. So at the end of the day, in summary, I would say this. If you agree with God about your sin and you confess it honestly and you make use of the ordinary means for waging war against it. So that would be, you know, like prayer, community, worship at the church, scripture. I mean, all those ordinary things. Mm -hmm. Then fear not because God is faithful and just to forgive you your sins and cleanse you. And those who come to Christ, he will never cast out. So he says in John 6, 37, I will never cast out those who come to me. So I'd say, you know, what does the proverb say? Uh, Though a righteous man falls seven times, yet he gets back up. So again, not an excuse to say like, oh yeah, well, I'm just going to keep, you know, oh, not right. defeatist, not perfectionist. Exactly. I think that's just it. It's like mm. you are honest about your sins when you commit them. You confess them before God. He has promised to forgive you. So take him at his word and then live your Christian life. Man, I, I wish I had heard this 15 years yeah. ago. <laughs> For real. Doesn't every teenager wish that? Yeah. Oh, so hope this was helpful to you today. If it was, you want to leave us an honest five-star review. <laughs> 
<laughs> Feels kind of silly asking for that after something like this, but hey, you know what? Whatever. Oh. That's a is that narcissistic? Is that a sin? I don't Ooh, know. Hard to say. We'll pray about it. Yeah, we will. <laughs> If uh, you have any questions on this or any other topic, feel free to email us at podcast at horizonschurch.net, or you can interact with us on social media. So thank you as always for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Mm-hmm.